it's not about how many emails you get. It's the tasks in the emails. Because I consider your inbox a public to-do list of other people's desires on your time from strangers, right? Like that's all your email is. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor, Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. You're going to remember audit, transfer, fill from this one, because if you don't, then you didn't pay attention. My next guest is Dan Martell. He's the author of a book called Buy Back Your Time. He's also an entrepreneur. He's sold multiple companies and he's a highly rated coach for businesses that want to scale. You're going to want to pay attention to this one. Take out the notes and do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Go buy the book. This is the second time I'm reading it. And remember, audit, transfer, fill, and the big three, vision, people, money. We're going to talk about that. We even get into energy stacking. Get ready. Dan Martell brings the heat. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a Success Magazine podcast. I've got Dan Martell here with me. What's up, buddy? Tristan, it is uh, an honor. It's obviously always fun when we get together and chat. So I appreciate the uh, the chance to uh, to share with your listeners one of my favorite topics in the world, buying back their time. I mean, that's the name of your new book. By the way, everyone pick it up. Buy back your time. I just finished it over the weekend. And let me tell you, it's a it's like a manual. So you're going to be going back to it. You're going to be highlighting it. Uh, you're going to be earmarking certain pages. And that's what I wanted to start with, man. Let's just dive into this because I earmarked and took notes on the perfect week because you give an example. Let, let's just go over that for our listeners. If you're watching, you can watch Dan's amazing background, by the way. But if you're not, Dan, take us through this perfect week. Yeah, I mean, the, the concept is simple. I think when I coach people on the buyback principle, which is the core like principle of the book, and kind of understanding the buyback loop, which is you know uh, audit, transfer, fill, right? And, and really, like, I know I'm making a big claim that you can literally build a business and a life. And the more you grow, you don't, you don't hate your life, right? Like I wanted to teach people, and this is the, the truth is I don't want people to build a business they grow to hate. That's like mm. my, the mission I'm on is to teach every entrepreneur how as they grow their business, their life gets better. And, and it sounds counter to what everybody's experienced, but I'll, I back it up with real numbers and structure and all that stuff. But the perfect week's a key point of this. And here's why. For a few reasons. One, when you when you go through the exercise, um, and, and and actually, Tristan, you may not be aware, but there's a resource download. I put all my my publisher. So you said I love that you called it a manual because the first version I gave to my publisher, he kind of sat me down and said, "Look, Dan, you need to understand the difference between a university textbook and a bestseller," because <laughs> there was a lot more in there, and uh, and and so all of the. The worksheets that I, I would love to put in there is at uh, buybackyourtime.com forward slash resources, I believe. Um, but you can just go on the homepage and download it. But the worksheet is this argument that if we don't uh, identify the big rocks in our lives that are important to us, that we know that if we complete add, add right, and give us energy, because that's a whole big thesis of the book is time and energy. I think people 
get the concept of buying back their time, but they don't understand why it's important to actually stack energetically, you know, your energy flows through your week and you should buy back the red stuff in your calendar that takes your energy to swap it out with green stuff that gives you energy. Um, but once you understand that, like, let's make a list of all the, what I call ingredients that you need to produce a perfect week and you actually like map it and you put it in, there's quite a bit of space. Like this is what's like, Tristan, you can actually get a lot of stuff done. And, and I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't think she would mind me sharing my, my wife. That was one of the most important chapters for her. And, and I'll tell you why is, is we have two young kids and, and look, we have, you know, we have our house manager, we have a team that supports our family life and stuff. But when it came to her entrepreneurial journey, um, she didn't block time. So, so the idea of a perfect week is you design the rhythm that works for you. Then you create the places you do certain types of work, right? Energetically. Yeah. And then because of that, then when I talk about the replacement ladder in a previous chapter and the idea of like level one as an administrator, if I don't create that, then it's hard for me to have somebody that manages my calendar, right? Because these are the two outcomes in a, in a like a kind of an admin or executive admin would do as your inbox 100% in your calendar. They don't know how to put stuff, right? True. So like you got you to gotta give them the structure, right? So it's like, here's the pattern. Now that you have it, you don't have to call me every time you want to book a meeting because I do meetings in this slot. And you don't have to call me whenever I need to get a presentation created for, for a keynote I'm giving. You can put it in this slot because that's where I do this type of work, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, so it's that. And it's also a commitment to your goals. So, so like part of it and the chapter right after is Dream Bigger and the 10X Vision Map is once I know what I want to accomplish you know, this year, this quarter, this, this month, this week, then you put those projects in your calendar. And this is where my wife struggled with it because, you know, most people are like, you send me a meeting request. Yes. Right. Like it's, it's so interesting yeah. and she would do that. But then what happens? You have this spotty calendar yeah, right? where you go from like creative work to a podcast interview, to creative work, to a sales call, to creative there's no work. Flow. To, there's no flow. And for you to go from uh, uh, I don't know, a team meeting or a finance meeting to uh, producing something, some copy for an email. Like that's just not the right place for it. Right. Yep. Yep. So, so I talk about, for, you know, these, these principles like block time. I talk about bleed time, bleed, bleed time is the time in between meetings, you know, that you just, you just let things bleed over. You don't, you don't honor your calendar. So, so if anybody looked at my calendar and I gave the template, um, not the specific, but like the framework, um, it is all allocated time to a specific outcome. Now that specific outcome could be uh, date night, hanging out with my kids, going to the gym, thinking time, uh, strategic thinking, editing my book, like whatever it is, like literally it's, but it's not, not allocated. Like pretty much every Sunday night, I review my calendar. I review my goals for the year. And I just ask myself, does this align with what I'm trying to do? And there, and I share the story about my wife because, you know, I was like, babes, like you, you, it's not like you've never heard me talk about this. She goes, yeah, but I'll tell you what it was. She had a belief that when she did this in the past five years, our kids are nine and 10. When, when, when the kids were toddlers, that something would come up and it would pull her away. Mm -hmm. So she stopped doing it. She actually used to do this and she stopped doing it. And she, it occurred to her as she read the chapter that she has a belief that's just not based on a today's reality. Mm. See how that would work, Tristan? She, 
our kids are nine and 10. They, they're out of the house. There's, there's nothing pulling. She lays in bed all day. There's like, there's, you know, we have a house manager that deals with the person that rings the front doorbell. Like there's nothing that's going to pull yeah. on her, but she was still not approaching her calendar that way. Mm. And I'll tell you, cause you know, the book just came out. She, she had the physical copy to show up and she, she's actually been reading, which is, I got pictures. She doesn't know this. I took pictures of her every night. <laughs> I got 10 days. You're going you to you be like, Honey. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, because I've never asked any of my friends about my book. I've never asked, obviously I didn't ask her to read it, but she just started going through it. And, um, and I just asked her yesterday, like, why did this finally land for you? And she started sharing this with me and she's like, I planned my week and I can't tell you how good I feel. Like I feel good. Cause I know I'm going to execute against my vision. And this is the other thing, the cognitive overhead. She doesn't have to think about the things that she's got to do because she's already allocated them. Yeah. Do you know how much time people spend thinking and worrying and not sleeping and waking up early? Oh, geez, I forgot to do this. My life is in my calendar and, and my assistant manages my calendar and she puts all the stuff that I need. She's got like in, in my calendar with you, I've got a little, so this is a little trick for you guys, sure. um, especially because you, you, your team sent the invite. So it's in my calendar. But there's notes, there's context, email exchanges, conversations we've had, and maybe the questions your team sent over to prep. Mm-hmm. So we create a separate entry and it's just called notes in the same name. And then all that information is there. So in my calendar, any meeting I have with somebody else, I have a notes entry that in the description has got all the context. So that's another like, I don't even talk about that in the book. That's a, that's a Tristan special. Dude, I'm, I'm taking notes of that. I love that. Just add it. Tell me about, tell me about the green and the green for energy and the red for things. It it sucks your energy. Tell me about that. Well, it's the, it's the full premise of the book. Uh, You know, the buyback principle states, you don't hire people to grow your business. You hire people to buy back your time. Right. Then the question is, what do you do with that time? My philosophy is you and it's a quadrant, right? Next Y, there's like bottom left corner, bottom right corner. It's like you want to go away from low value tasks, things that cost very little to pay somebody else to do that suck your energy to top right corner, things that only you can do that give you energy that makes your, your life a lot of money. Now, I'm not saying you should have hobbies. Those just fit in the investment quadrant. So I have this, this matrix called the drip matrix, and I explain that. Now... The buyback loop, which is the overall kind of methodology that drives all these things that we're talking about, mm-hmm. in it, there's three parts to it. When you feel pain in your life, when you feel overwhelmed, this is why I created this. I call it the pain line. You go to the buyback loop. The buyback loop, step one is audit. Okay, Audit your calendar. Literally, and I teach this, but at a high level, you just look at your calendar and you say, what are the things that are giving me energy? So you highlight them in green. Right. And I teach a whole process on it's very simple. You just write it down and then go through. So you highlight in green things that give you energy, you highlight in red things that take your energy. And then you put a dollar sign next to it, one dollar sign to four dollar signs if it's inexpensive to pay somebody else to do or expensive, you know, four dollar signs. If it, you know, like I'm the CEO, I got to be the CEO. I could pay somebody to be the CEO, I could hire a CEO, but that would be a four dollar sign. So once you do the audit, right, for time and energy, then you grab all the red stuff the $1 sign things and you put them into a bucket. And that is your hit list and your only hit list for who you should hire next. And that's, what's different about my approach all the time. I literally, I'll give you an example. My, uh, one of my good buddies, Marcel, the other day we were talking 
And he's at capacity. He's like overwhelmed, you know, maxed out. He's got an agency and um, he goes, I'm about to hire a salesperson. I said, okay, don't know if that's the right move. Let me ask you a few questions. First question I ask him, how many sales calls a week are you doing? Four. Tristan, do you think if you only have four sales calls a week that you should hire a full-time salesperson? Probably not, right? Because essentially they're going to come in. They don't have enough pipeline. They're not going to make any money. And every and then in three months, four months, if you're lucky, they're going to quit. This is I literally have seen this happen over and over. That's why I created that the replacement ladder. So, so I kind of worked out. I did the reverse to the replacement ladder because I teach it in a like do it in this order. I just went backwards. So he's like, I'm going to hire a salesperson. No, why can't you hire a salesperson? I don't have enough leads to fill up a salesperson's calendar. Okay, that's marketing. So then I asked him, do you have a system for generating leads? He's like, I don't really, but I know what we I'd have to do, but I don't have time to do it. Okay, perfect. Let's go to the next level. What are you doing that's still involved in the fulfillment of the business or what I call delivery? And he tells me, I go, cool. Then that's probably where you got to buy back your time to create the space, to create the marketing, to get your, your calendar full of sales calls until you're about 12 to 15 calls a week. Then you can hire a full-time salesperson. But let me ask you a first question before that. Do you have an executive assistant? Yes, I do. Perfect. Do they manage 100% of your inbox and your calendar? Well, they kind of manage my email, but like, I don't get that many emails. I get this all the time. I don't get that many emails. I got a support team. I got this. I go, it's not about how many emails you get. It's the tasks in the emails. Because I consider your inbox a public to-do list of other people's desires on your time from strangers, right? Like that's all your email is. It really it's, is. A, it's a public to-do list from strangers on your time, your requests. Because what happens, you know, when people are like, I, I, I don't really have that much need for an executive assistant more than like 10 hours a week. I'm like, no, you have 40 hours because you're a person that works 40 hours. You just don't realize that they can do a lot of that stuff for you. Right. So my executive assistant coordinates when I, when I'm doing an investment, right. I run high speed. So I run two eight figure companies, SAS Academy and high speed ventures. When I'm looking at deals and there's a deal to be done, like I just did a deal last week, uh, paperwork comes in, my assistant sends it over to my legal team. They review it. There's issues. She schedules a 15 minute call on my calendar. I get on the meeting. They explain to me, I say, go, she's on the call. And then she coordinates the signatures and all that stuff. And then gets it signed and we send it back and we do the wire transfers, everything. I literally 15 minutes on a phone call. Once I make a decision and and that's like something. And and that's why I think executive assistants earn the title executive assistant. Like people are too quick to say, oh, well, I have that. I'm like, no, you have a virtual assistant. You have a uh, office manager, you have, you know, um, an intern, you have a runner, you have whatever. An executive assistant is somebody that is your partner, right? Like that to me, I've had several over the years because they usually get promoted and start running departments in my life because they see everything, right? Like I had an executive assistant that, that's running my customer success team. Because she saw me and interacted and had so much context by the time. And she understands like really great people can not only manage the time, they manage people, they manage expectations. So I share all that because the time and energy thing, back to the original question, our whole goal in business and and the subtitle of the book is get unstuck, reclaim your freedom and build your empire. The empire part scares people because it's a big word. I'm good. Like I just want a little business. I get it. I'm not saying it's a hundred million dollar company or 250 staff or whatever. All I'm saying is empire. This is what equals in my life. 
a life of unlimited creation you never have to retire from. And I think that's what everybody wants. A life of unlimited creation, meaning that you have an idea, Tristan, and you want to push it forward. There's no like, oh, now I've got to go do 10 hours of work. You literally just get on a call with somebody and say, here's this crazy idea. Could you go do some stuff? And then next week when we sync up, tell me what you learned. Hmm. And that's what happens when you start filling up your calendar with only things that add energy to your life and make you an incredible amount of income. Because you should not buy back your time to go watch TikTok videos or go sit on a beach. But people do this all day long. They do it all the time. They hire an assistant and then they don't fill that time back up. So the buyback loop is audit, transfer, fill. It's audit your calendar for time and energy, transfer it to other people that can do it at a lower cost than you can monetize, and then fill that time up that you've bought back with more of the stuff that you can monetize so you can increase your resources or go develop new skills, beliefs, or character traits. Hmm. Dude, I, I love that. I love that. And that's audit transfer fill. Yeah. I want people to literally build this mnemonic uh, repetition, this auto suggestive, like audit transfer fill. You should literally be spending your, your week all the time going audit transfer fill. Where can I audit transfer fill? Like I, people need to understand that there's things they're doing they shouldn't do. But again, you don't go hire somebody to do something that's expensive. Not first start at the bottom. Yeah, right. which is why I love the little dollar signs. Yep. You get the idea from like going to an expensive restaurant. Restaurant that was like, yeah, yep. dollar signs. Yeah, because they need to be universal, right? Like my dollar signs are financially a completely different thing than others because my buyback rate is so high. But it doesn't mean that I don't have people that I could I could buy back. Like, I mean, the, I'm in a position where I don't have to work for money. So really it's a decision of like, I like the creativity of the certain problems. I wanted to have this book. Did I want to sit down and write it? Not necessarily, but I also knew that in writing the book and editing it and literally working with my designer on all these cool little Easter eggs that I was showing you earlier, that I would learn some new skills. And that to me is kind of what I'm optimizing for in life is just skills development. That's what it comes down to, dude, at the end. I love that. Yeah, growth. Good answer. All right, let's go into the F word. Because mm. that guy. you know what? Nobody, nobody ever talks to me about this. So that just tells me that you, I know you read the book. I read the book. That's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's chapter 12 and the F word stands for feedback. Here's why I put this specific chapter in there. I actually had a bunch more stuff on leadership because what I quickly learned coaching. So I, I, I typically privately coach founders of software companies that have 25 million plus. So these are usually 150 plus people organizations and when you're when you're when you're working at that level it's 90% people problems right and 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 the the reason why there's people problems is because there's a lack of trust and a lack of trust comes back from a lack of understanding and alignment okay so if you let's just take it simple for a lot of people that are like one employee or a few if you're going to hire folks to buy back your time but you don't create a place of feedback, then you're going to be frustrated. And I'll tell you why. Somebody's going to underperform and it's going to frustrate you and they don't even know it. Or you are not showing up the way they need and you don't know it. Mm. So I, I shared a, um, this framework called the clearing method that I learned from my buddy, Matt Machari. He wrote a great book called The Great CEO Within. And um, I actually talk about he did it live with me. And essentially the essence of it is, is 
you should do one-on-ones with your team. Some people don't do one-on-ones, which is a huge missed opportunities. Like a pro- I just literally just did my weekly one-on-one with my house manager, Betty. And in those meetings, not always, but often, you should seek feedback, right? So Tristan, if you, if you were on my team and you reported to me, I would say, hey, Tristan, I'm really looking to be the best leader for you. And I know I can't be that unless I understand where my opportunities are. So I'd love to get some of your feedback. Now, I also realized that like, it's scary to give feedback to somebody you report to because um, there's fears that you know they may not be open to it. I just want you to know that I'm incredibly grateful for anything you share with me. You cannot hurt my feelings. And it would mean the world if you would share that. Is there anything I've done in the last while that you didn't understand, you didn't appreciate, you didn't like that I could have done better. And then I shut up and you go, no, Dan, you're great. No, this, it's all good, man. Nothing comes up. So what you're saying, Tristan is I'm perfect. Now, I I don't think that's what, you know, I'm pretty sure that's not the case. There's (laughs) gotta be something. And again, I know, I know it may not feel comfortable for you, but I I really want to show up better. So it could be even a small thing. Is there anything that comes into mind? And usually at that point, they go, well, you know, last week when we were talking, you know, we had a meeting the week before and I thought we made a decision on something. And then you came into the meeting and you started questioning the thing that I thought we decided on. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you kind of like made me feel like you didn't trust me to move that thing forward. And, and then my response, there's only one. Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And then we go into the second step of the clearing method, which is let, let me see if I got that right, Tristan. Here's what I heard you say. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And you just repeat what the person said. And in repeating it, you take care of 90% of the problem. Like you don't even have to resolve anything. You just have to, they just want to feel heard. This is people is very simple. Heard, seen, and appreciated, right? So you repeat it back to them and uh, you know, so it sounds like, you know, this is what I heard. Correct me if I'm wrong. And sometimes they'll go, no, no, actually, no, you didn't. It's not that it's this. Oh, perfect. Thanks for that distinction. Mm. So what, what you're, what I'm hearing is this and this caused that. Did I get it right, Tristan? And you would yeah. go, yes. And I go, perfect. Then step three, you accept. And I don't like the word reject, but it's, it's, you know, it's either I accept the feedback or I don't, but here's the way it works. Let's go. I would go, Let's say I agree with it. I say, Tristan, I totally agree with you. And I apologize for doing that. It was inappropriate. Here's mm-hmm. where I was thinking. Um, so I give context, but going forward, I'm going to make a commitment to you that this is what I'm going to change. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. You make a commitment. If I don't agree with it, I'll say, Hey, Tristan, I totally understand why you would feel that way. And I appreciate you sharing that. Here's the way I think about things. This is the principle that I operate under. And based on that, like, let's say it's, hey, new information, we don't stick to an old strategy. So I might share like, hey, this is what changed on the Friday after we talked to the week prior. And this is why I brought it up because I wanted to socialize and give context to everybody on the call because I was worried they weren't aware. And then usually the person goes like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Now, I think in the future, I might change the choice of words I use, or maybe I would have added it to the discussions, or I could even prep you beforehand. So I'll definitely be more aware of it going forward. I appreciate it. And that's that's kind of the, the fourth step, which is like, just what is the resolution or the agreement? Now, the reason I share this is because you always have to go first as a leader. Yeah. 
this is this is typically what happens as soon as you do this, Tristan. You and you want to you want to give the space for it. Is soon as you say that and you go, thank you so much for that feedback. It's really going to help me be better. The person usually goes, well, do you have any feedback for me? Mm. That's where it gets super cool. Okay, this just happened. Like I had my meeting with Betty, shared with her or asked her to give me feedback. She gave me some and then she goes, well, do you have anything for me? And I, and I do, cause I write it all down. See, this is the other thing I do. I write down, I have a, a file with all my direct reports names. And anytime I see anything, I write them down because I also realize I'm not going to criticize in real time. It's actually a very bad habit to, you got to get out of that. Okay. Unless there's a reason to tell somebody in real time, you should just write it down. You have your one-on-ones and then you use that space to have the conversation in context. So she goes, is there anything that I can help with? And I said, actually, there is. So here's a scenario. I'll, I'll tell you it because it's kind of funny. We, we play indoor hockey, these, this soft hockey. We have these soft pads, soft ball, and, but we're intense about it. Okay, me and my two boys and any neighbor, if you, when you come over to my house, hopefully someday, we're playing indoor hockey. And it gets so crazy that we break these sticks. And uh, she went and she bought a bunch of new ones. Okay, like eight of them. They're $50 a piece. Okay, for padded hockey sticks. So she spent eight hundred. Was that eight hundred or yeah, two four hundred dollars? She spent four hundred dollars on hockey sticks that you could have fixed with some tape and whatever. Okay. So that was my feedback, right? <laughs> but I used. The, but the key is, is I use the coaching framework in the book. The guy. Right? So in the book, I teach this coaching framework, and the the big idea in that is you 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 use the activity or the behavior, but then you chunk it up to the principle. So I didn't, I didn't criticize the fact that she did that. I appraise her like, thanks for taking action. Thanks for moving on that quickly, et cetera. I said, but the principle I have is um, I don't like to be wasteful. Okay. So um, because I don't like to be wasteful, I'm always looking for opportunities to reduce, not necessarily save money because that's not always my MO, but really just reduce waste. Like I just don't want to create a bunch of litter. Like, so I didn't, I think we could have probably fixed those sticks instead of buying new ones for, and it, and yes, it would have the benefit of saving money, but more importantly, it would have saved on, you know, plastics and garbage and all that stuff. Um, and she's like, Oh, so, so, but this is the kicker. So I tell her a story about where I learned this and that's part of the coaching framework. And then I asked her to make a commitment. And the commitment back that we negotiated on was that um, she would look for opportunities to save waste and money throughout the week. Oh. And she took it upon herself to offer, how about every Friday I send you a text message with the ways that I saved waste this week? Because it'll create an accountability for me and awareness for you. So she offered it. I said, absolutely. So this Friday I get a text message and here are the three or four different ways she saved waste or saved money. And I don't know. It's just like, I, I love it because I, I believe that we build the people and the people build the business. And I just think a lot of CEOs and business owners don't really have a structure for building and developing their people. And it's why I put that specific chapter in there. It's I've seen great people, great CEOs or great team members in conflict because nobody knows how to have that conversation, the feedback conversation. And then I've seen great potential people, what I call high, high potential entry levels, hipples, um, Hipple. not hipples. Yeah. It's actually like something my executive 
Dave's and I talk about all the time. We identify the hipples and, and, and we create the support. So, so somebody comes in with the right attitude, but they don't have the skill or experience. That's okay. We, we literally assign them a mentee or, or a mentor to coach them using the framework I teach in the book, because I want to develop those people faster. Right. But they got to, they got to come in hungry and eager to want that. But if they show that, then boom, we're going to, we're going to develop them. And I think that's, what's missing amongst a lot of early business owners in their journey and why they get frustrated with people. Right. Yeah. I think the challenging part is that when we're starting a business, it's usually just our idea ourselves, but we're only trying to manage ourselves. Right. And when we bring in the people aspect, it becomes a little challenging because it's like a relationship, like getting married. Right. So they have yep. different expectations. So I, I loved that, that process that you have. I was going to bring up, you know, the coaching framework, which you did. So I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper into that because I do think that that is the problem that we have in scaling and growing businesses. You said uh, we build the people and the the people build the business. That's so true. And yet we're focused on KPIs. We're focused on the product. We're focused on all of these things that we think will solve it before we solve the people problem. That's why yeah, we're, we're worried about like customer surveys and feedback on our customers. It's like, yeah, but w- what about the people surveys? Like who does a lot of teams don't do what I call ENPS or, or it's called ENPS employee net promoter score to just identify where on their team, somebody doesn't feel supported or led or connected to your vision. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's on your, because I, again, I appreciate the fact that you like took all these notes, but like one of the strategies that I, that I teach in the book as well is the one, three, one rule. Right. And I think that one is the most universal to all business owners. Right. Because most of them come to me and they're like, I feel like I'm the only one that cares. Or I feel like I'm the only one that has a vision. Or I feel like I'm the only one that can solve these problems. And I feel like I'm the, and it's like this sense of like they're running from fire to fire to put it out. Right. And they're a firefighter. They're not, you know, acting as a fire prevention. Right. Like, and the one, three, one rule is a very simple and powerful rule to push down decisions to the frontline people. And here, here's how it works. And, you know, like this, this is literally happens all the time. So sales director, love him. Brilliant. He has to make a decision about, uh, one of the, uh, consultant companies been working with. And he's like, you know, here's, here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. Uh, I'd love your feedback. We have a culture of one, three, one. So my reply in Slack was, what's your one, three, one. And as soon as I did that, he goes, oh, my bad. And then he took the night because yes, it, it took time to think through. The one, three, one states this, what's the one specific problem that you're challenged with? What are the three viable options that you've considered? And what is the one recommendation you're making? Here's why that's powerful as culture and a tool is it allows me to use that to um, ask somebody to think through their problems before they bring them to me, right? So Tristan, if you came to me and you're like, hey, you know, I got to hire 12 people in the next quarter and I, I don't know what to do. I would say, I appreciate that sounds challenging, Tristan, but what's your, what is your one, three, one? And you go, well, I don't, I don't know. That's why I came to you. I go, I appreciate it, but you're the head of HR, correct? And you go, yeah, I go, okay, well, sounds like you're asking me to do your job. 
And like, that's a tough thing for business owners to say to people. Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> that's what you're doing. You're, you're the head of HR and you're asking me how you hire 12 people next quarter. And like, I don't, I've never, like, maybe I've never done that either, but I know a process for solving it. And guess what? I know that you're brilliant enough to figure it out yourself as well, but it sounds like you haven't put the time into it yet. And they go, okay. I go, cool. Do you, do you want to take some time to do that? And they go, yeah, let, give me a couple of days. And then you go through the journey and then they, and here's why it's useful for a business owner. It can feel slow. I get it. People are like, that sounds slow. Cause I have the answer. I would tell them to call my friend, Bob, Bob is a recruiter. He can, I get it. The problem is, is you're then making that person dependent on you anytime they have a problem, right? You create a bottleneck. The reason why it's called a bottleneck is because the constraint is at the top of the bottle. Yeah, That's the CEO. What I try to do, and I talk about this transactional management versus transformational leadership, I try to push decisions down to the frontline people, but they have to use one three one because as a business owner, the thing I care most about is not, is it the right decision? It's that you thought through the problem to consider all the options to make a strong argument why you chose that solution. Like Tristan, when I, when I coach CEOs and they're frustrated, I go, you're, you're frustrated at that person because you don't even know what they considered. And you just don't think that's the right option because you, with your information, think that a different decision should have been made. But if you actually heard the context and the options they considered, you may actually go, oh no, that's, that is the right decision. And wow, man, I'm lucky to have people that think through that. So that's why the one through one is so powerful. And 90% of the time when they offer like, here's the specific challenge. I mean, just that alone, Tristan, people just don't even start there, right? They're like, so I've got, I got a problem growing my marketing team. Yeah. What, what's the problem? Like, what's the specific problem in that? Well, everything. Okay. You're, we're not, we're not going to have a relationship where you feel like you can come to me and just drop your <laughs> basket of problems on me. Yeah. Right. When you feel like you've at least done some work to identify that, like, is it, is it lead generation? Is it quality of leads? What is it? And then, um, and then they do the assessment, right? So they have one specific problem. They have the three viable options, right? I hate when people go like, my one is this, my two is nothing. My three is um, keep doing the same thing we're doing. Okay. That's a lot of thought. Those are not viable options. Okay. No. So how about you go back and come back when you get three viable options? And then my recommendation is, is two. And then I go, yeah, that sounds about right. And then they go off. Here's, here's why that's powerful is that over time, they start doing this themselves in their head and they solve problems and that never becomes something I need to be involved in. And that's what's powerful about it. So the bigger your team gets, the bigger it can solve problems on their own. And what I always try to remind leaders is this, how you show up for your team is teaching them how they're going to show up for their team. And if you teach them that every problem requires your approval, then they're going to teach their direct reports when they start to have them, that every problem requires their approval. And you're going to create the worst company to come to work at. You're literally going to come into work and go, I hate this. I don't know. I don't like this meeting. I don't like the work I'm doing. I feel like all I do is run around and put out fires, right? And I get it. I know where it comes from. So I don't want you to buy back your time to get really good at growing your business and hiring people only to be in a place where you don't want to work with the people because you've been shown up as a leader in a funky way. That's true, man. I love that. That that makes sense though, because a lot of the times we want to take control over whether I'm the CEO or I'm leading this company. And then 
We try to make all of the decisions for everyone. It's like kids, right? Say, are we teaching them to grow up to be better people? Are we teaching them to be better leaders or are we making the decisions for them? That's why I love that. I know. And it's interesting because I was talking to my friend on the weekend about this. They says the best entrepreneurs are ones that have no ego because they're willing to admit they don't know, right? Like, I don't want to know how to solve the problems. Like, it, it sounds funny, but the three things that I do as CEO, and everybody should, if you're listening, write these down. If you have a team of 12 plus, these, this is your three things you should focus on. Vision. Do you have a clear, articulated, documented vision? And does everybody on your team understand what it is? People. Do you have a process for attracting, developing, and retaining top talent? Three. Money. Do you have structure in place to monitor profitability, cash conversion cycles, uh, return on equity, like the money side of your business, right? doesn't mean you have to understand bookkeeping and financials, right? But you need somebody there and you need to ask them to report stuff and you need to look at it frequently enough. That is what the CEO's job is, is those three things. So I don't want people, like, it sounds funny, but like, if, if you if you feel like I want to be the person to help people solve problems and make decisions, that may just be a lack of ego. Because like what I want is an organization that produces the value to the customers that I promised and can do it in a way that scales so that I can have a bigger impact that doesn't degrade the quality of my life as we scale. And if I'm if I want that, then you have to be willing to let go of a lot of stuff and control. My, my dad, I mean, I'll tell you a personal example. My dad, I find it's crazy. The other day he was speaking, he comes to my events, which I just love. Like he's been to the last three, I think now. Um, but the first one, he was asking me like, how many people are going to be there? And I go, I don't know. He goes, well, how do you not know? I go, because it's not my department. Jasmine on our team runs events. I don't know. Well, I mean, how do you not? You're going to the event, right? You're speaking. I go, yeah, I'm speaking. He goes, so you don't know if 50 people or 500 people are going. I go, well, here, here's what I do know. There's there's um, parameters we've built in place. They're called service level agreements, SLAs. And unless it turns yellow, well, yellow doesn't even come to me. Unless it turns red, I'm not. it's not brought to my attention. And... Because I haven't heard anything and it's two weeks away, I can assume because every other time it's been true, it's green, which means there'll be people there. Yeah, that's so and cool. and and he just was like, it was just so like hard for him to understand how you do that because you know if you you know he was in a, he worked at Siemens, this big company, he was a manager, like he he managed people, but um, you at scale of a company. Right, I would say five million north of five million. Right, it that's really the hardest part. They call it no man's land between five and ten million. You just will never be able to know everything that's going on in your company all the time. Nor do you need to, and nor does it make sense for you to. Yeah. Right, you need to change the way you lead people, and that's why I created and I wrote in there the transactional management versus transformational leadership. Because I wanted to address, like I when I wrote the book, Tristan, I don't know if I ever shared this with you. I wrote down 25 of the people in my life, my friends and family that have businesses that were struggling at different levels, literally from people that have even 60 million a year companies down to 80,000 a year companies. I wrote their names down 
And then I, I, I wrote down all of the situations that I seen where they, they could have went left and they went right instead that I would have told them to go left. And then what belief system do I believe they have around, around their time and their value and how they lead people. And I use that as the stuff I wrote about in the sense that as I wrote the book, I kept looking at the list and checking off, like, did I address this? Did I tell that story? Did I deal with disbelief? That's why I created the five time assassins because there was so much stuff. I needed a whole chapter just to contain the negative character traits that people were doing themselves that were self-inflicting time assassins, right? You don't have to buy back your time. You just got to stop doing these five things that are costing you money and costing you time. Um, so yeah, I just, I had to put stuff in the book around leadership, even though it's not a big theme, it's just there because as soon as we talk about people, if you buy back your time and bring people into your life, but then they don't want to work with you, that ain't going to work. Betty, you got to come here. Okay. She hates when I do this. Literally, right. We talk, I'll tell you about four season living. This is Betty. She takes care of our house. Hi, so Betty. This is, this is my lunch. He says, hi. She, I got my AirPods. Thanks, Betty. Um, so like every day my lunch comes into my office. So I call that four season living and I'll unpack it. It's the last chapter in the book. It's called buyback lifestyle. The framework is this. I want people to structure their lives to be able to live as if they lived in the four seasons, right? So if you decide you don't want to cook that night, you don't have to. If you decide you want to call and get a protein shake, you can. If I say, hey, every day at 12, I'd like a certain type of meal. I mean, look at my meal. This meal is based 100% on my macros. It's got lean, mean chicken. It's got yeah. my vegetables. I got my, I got I put a little shrasher on there. Like, so I don't even have to make that decision. Yeah. I like, I, don't, I didn't know what was for lunch today, but she put a meal plan together working with my, my trainer, my nutritionist um, to hit my macros. And so like, again, buy back my time. Yes. And this is, I, I just also want to share this. A lot of people are always doing like, calculations around cost and, and return. I hire an executive assistant. It costs me X and they buy back this amount of time. And that's the ROI calculation, which is true. And I teach that the buyback rate and how to do the trades. Perfect. But let's talk about this. What does not having to think about decisions that add no value to my life, add to my life, right? From a cognitive overhead. How does my life transform that I don't, make a, a emotional decision about my lunch, right? Based on my morning and then have a bad meal that then messes my afternoon up that then starts me on a downward spiral where I put on five pounds in the next month. Yeah. Like my executive assistant has no emotional attachment to an email. That's so right. when an email comes in, she just processes it. So yeah. if the email is an opportunity that might scare the bejesus out of me, because I'm like, oh my gosh, she doesn't know. She just schedules it. And next thing you know, I'm on a call with somebody like, you know, you and Jarek Success Magazine. I'm like, okay, this is crazy time. Like, or like I'm I'm fit, I'm fitter because I have a house manager. What's that worth to my my health? You know, a, a sick person or a healthy person has a thousand goals and dreams, and a sick person has but one. So like there's all this value of having a team to support you that you don't realize that get like, I, I call that like bringing future revenue into this calendar year because my assistant is not emotionally attached to an email. 
She's pulling stuff into my life, routing information. That's I, I think it's like three to four months of opportunity that would have been pushed into next calendar year if it was up to me that yeah. gets pulled into this year. Okay, here's the other one. This is this. Hopefully, you really. This is the one I actually resonate the most with, but a lot of people wouldn't get the energy stacking. Okay, so when I take red out of my calendar, so literally my calendar is all green except for one meeting that I talk to the team. It's yellow, and I think it could get green again. It was green, and then I stopped. You know how it happens. And I told them, I said, "Look, yeah, I just don't. I'm not having fun anymore, and I would like to. So we need to redesign this. So, anyways." Because I have green all day long, the ability for me to create and transfer that energy and transfer that emotion is very high. And the ROI of me living in that, you get it. What is that worth? I think it's three to four X output easily. I am able to produce more, not because of my fingers, but because of my emotions, because of my energy that I get to stack all day long. And then when I'm talking to somebody, I'm communicating on a podcast, I'm shooting a video, um, sending text messages. There's just a different vibe. You know, Teresa, when you're like, when you feel 100% alive and you send a text message versus you just got out of a finance meeting Mm. and now you got to go recruit some speakers for an event or something, you're just like, you're just not in it. And they feel it. It sounds crazy. (laughs) Nobody's coming. Yeah. The recipient feels it. So, so to me, like that's another big part of this that often gets overlooked that I just wanted to, to share with your listeners. Mass. All right. Last question. Cause I've got you for like two minutes, a minute. What did you leave out of the book that you really wanted to put in, but they're like, Hey, oh. you know, this isn't a manual. There's a lot. There's 70% of it got edited out. Um, there, it was just like double clicking on a lot of these frameworks. Right. So like, just a lot more tools to understand how to fill your calendar, how to transfer. So essentially it's, it's everything that's in there, but like what I would call level like 201, 301, right. Advanced stuff. And you know, my, my book CEO, Ron said, you can have a course, you can have a program. You don't have to put it in the book. And I'm like, all right, that's how I resolved it. So I did put the resources. So I created the resources as a, as a minimum, but yeah, like there there will definitely be something on the back end of this to really, um, help people with the implementation. Cause like, look, once you get it, it's cool, but maybe you want some accountability. Maybe you want to double click on some of your ideas and you're like, I read this and here's the way I think about it. Did I get it right? Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was 70%, but it was kind of like the next levels of this that didn't really make for compelling reading. Uh, as a bestseller, it's you know people want this, and as and I wanted the space for the stories, but I didn't want to write a three hundred or two hundred thousand word book. Had to get it in at under fifty thousand, and that's what we pulled off. I like it. And Every then, word was was deliberately decided, and it stayed. Nice man. Buybackyourtime.com, right? That's where we can get all the other bonus items. Yep, the resources are on buybackyourtime. Um, it's Perfect. on all the retailers. And where do we and, go follow uh, you? Instagram stories is my favorite because I actually put all of the behind the scenes of my day, day to day, every day when I wake up and what I'm doing. So you guys can get a sense of kind of how I live my life. Um, 
And then I'm on all social media at Dan Martell, two L's the Martell. YouTube is big, TikTok. And I have a newsletter at danmartell.com that you can subscribe to to get just, just general like business growth strategies and mindset stuff. That's really my passion is, you know, the real estate between your ears and um, how you build an empire. I like that, man. At Dan Martell, if you're wondering on Instagram. So yep. thanks so much, man. I appreciate your time. And absolutely humbled. Thank you. I, I ordered your book. So now I'm going to look for the Easter egg when I get it tomorrow. Yeah, there's a few others I'll tell you about in the future, but I appreciate it, Tristan. And uh, thanks everybody for the support. If anything I do, just so all the listeners understand, uh, if it serves, please leave a review. That's how I build the flywheel. I'm trying to create a movement here of buying back your time. Nice. So if you get the book, it adds value. If you've been following me on the socials for a while and I've helped in any way, one thing I would ask right now is to leave a review. Awesome. Definitely will. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Cheers. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it. 